Welcome to Spark, Careers in Agribusiness, where we meet the most accomplished leaders in agribusiness today. Learn how each of the women and men featured has built leadership into their life's work and what advice they have for young people just beginning their careers. Your host for Spark is Sarah Stever, President at Paulson. And hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Spark. With me today is Cindy Young, and she is the Director of Brownfield Ag News and Ag Operations. Cindy has been with Brownfield for almost 19 years, and she makes her home in Jamestown, Missouri. Now, before that, Cindy was Farm Director at WTAX Radio in Springfield, Illinois. So she's been a broadcaster and involved in that for a while. And I've known Cindy for a long time through the National Association of Farm Broadcasters. And I always, always look forward to seeing her at farm shows because she's always super upbeat and ready to tackle the world. So, Cindy, for our Spark audience, can you describe your current role and perhaps what a perfect day or a perfect work day is like for you? First of all, there is no perfect work day, but let me begin by uh, telling a little bit about what I do. You could describe my role as guardian of the product. Brownfield, in addition to this radio network that we have, which um, covers 10 states, and we have uh, about uh, 450 affiliate radio stations that carry our programming, I have a team of a dozen farm broadcasters who create this content. I work with them and I work with our account executives to help with advertising and public relations projects. And I also work with our affiliate radio stations that carry these programs that we create. I do management. I am guardian of the product, and I also do a daily commentary program. So that's that's kind of a look at what I do. A perfect day, there are no two days that are ever the same. But for me, it's very exciting when I can, um, you know, when some great story comes across that we're able to jump on and tackle and maybe break the news, the opportunity to network and engage and and work with the people in agriculture, whether it's the people that we're interviewing or if it is the people that are consuming the product that we create. That's what makes a perfect day. Well, you have a million irons in the fire, so that's that's an amazing list of stuff that you are <laughs> responsible for. So let's start by taking a look back, and let's tell our audience how your early life prepared you for where you are right now. Well, I grew up on a multi-generational family farm in west-central Illinois, and, and like most farm kids from that grew up in the 1960s and 70s, I think I had an idyllic childhood. I was one of four siblings. We lived a mile down the road from my dad's parents. We raised corn, soybeans, wheat, milo, hogs, cattle. I was a 10-year 4-H member. I was active in our FFA chapter, and I held leadership roles in those and in student council and yearbook staff and and school newspaper. And coming from a, a small high school, there were 76 in my graduating class, we had the opportunity to to be involved in a lot of different activities. And I studied agriculture education with an emphasis in animal science at Western Illinois University. 
and I was involved in several of the agricultural organizations on campus there, like Collegiate FFA, our Hoof and Horn Club, which was an animal science club, the Ag Education Club, and, and Agriculture Council. And I always worked, whether it was on the farm with livestock, raking hay, cutting weeds out of beans, babysitting, or when I was old enough and had my own transportation to work in town, and I worked all through college. So I think I, I think that work ethic, coupled with my leadership experiences in in those organizations in high school and college, and of course my personal experience in education and agriculture, I think that helped to prepare me for my first job out of college, where I went from student teaching high school agriculture to work at a local radio station. Um, WJIL in Jacksonville, Illinois, and I started working there on April Fool's Day in 1985, <laughs> if that tells you anything. So I think those early experiences, um, you know, and Sarah, in that first job, I didn't take this job as farm director, my first job out of college. I took a job where I answered the phone, I wrote advertising copy, I DJed on weekends, I handled promotions, I wrote news copy, and then I served as assistant farm director. When he left to go to work for another company, I was promoted to farm director. So, you know, that was in 1987, and that's when I became a member of NAFB. But now, when I ask someone on my team to do something for me, I think I have a better understanding of of what I'm asking because I did all those things and I understand what it takes and there are times when you need to have someone do something for you to to help kind of be a time management tool for you but it's very very important to the overall success of the company of what you're doing so that all of that prepared you just by having exposure to all that even today, it sounds like you're using what you learned there. But I want to go back and ask you something about what you said when you were in school, because you were quite a joiner. Oh, my goodness, that list of stuff that you were in really long. <laughs> and you mentioned that you had leadership roles. Did that? Did you feel like that came to you naturally, or can you kind of describe how you got a, the courage to do all of that? It did come to me naturally. My aunt says that when, you know, I had a lot of cousins when I was little, and she said I would always end up organizing everyone. <laughs> I had no idea. I thought we were playing. That's just part of, I think that's part of my personality and, and part of my nature. I strongly believe in servant leadership. So I don't think that I just wanted to be the person in charge. It was a natural role for me. That's just part of my DNA. It's part of who I am. I just think that some people are just born that way. But I don't believe in joining something just for the sake of joining it and having it on your resume. If you're going to be part of something, be part of something. Put your whole self into it. I think that's important. I'm just picturing that you know half of our audience out there are going to be comfortable with the idea that, yeah, this all came naturally to me and maybe <laughs> it did to you. It would not have to me. But one thing that I did learn over time was that sometimes just be the person that steps up because people aren't don't always put their hand up 
and a lot of times you can find yourself in a role even though you may be a little bit uncomfortable just because you're willing to do it. You know, another thing, Sarah, is so often people assume that because you are in a leadership role or or you're a farm broadcaster or a reporter or someone that gives speeches, they think that you must be an extrovert. But that's not necessarily the case. If I look at my team of farm broadcasters, anchor reporters, I would say that probably 90% of them are introverts. You know, when you're on, you're on, but you also need that time to step back and have some alone time. And there's nothing wrong with that. And those people can be leaders just as easily as an extrovert can. Maybe just have to plan to have a little bit of more recharge time. Absolutely. Now that you, you know, you kind of described where you've been, can you think of any pivotal events or just surprises that maybe change the course of where you were headed? Wouldn't it be cool to tell you that there was one single defining moment? <laughs> uh, but, you know, there are there are so many things that happen. I didn't sit down one day and write out a map for my life. And if I had, it certainly wouldn't look like this. But there are many. And, you know, making the decision to go to work for that local radio station instead of going to work as an ag teacher that was one. Probably one of the most important decisions that I made was in my mid-20s to pack all of my earthly belongings into my car and my parents' livestock trailer and to move to Oklahoma City, where I knew one person. It was one of the most awesome experiences of my life. I learned so much from Ron Hayes, who was the farm director at Oklahoma Agronet, where I went and worked for a couple of years. I learned a ton about being a good journalist. So then I was better prepared for my next step, which was when I moved back to Illinois to become the farm director at WTAX. So I think that was huge. Um, moving to Missouri to take on the role that I'm in now at Brownfield 15 years ago, because I've been with Brownfield for 19 years, but it was 15 years ago that I was promoted to this position of, of director of Brownfield and Ag Operations. My husband and I bought a farm here. We raised Simmental cattle, sell breeding stock, and branded beef. There are so many things that happen along the way that prepare you. I, I don't believe in luck. I believe in opportunity. Opportunity meeting readiness, and I've I've just had so many great opportunities. You got to kind of wonder, just based on on how your personality is, if you weren't actually creating your own opportunities just by the relationships and the networking that you did, and the willingness to, like you said, pack up the car and the trailer and head <laughs> off to Oklahoma City. I'm not kidding you. I was absolutely scared to death. It was wonderful. What pushed you over the edge to actually do it? I wish I could say there was something that uh, that defined that, that made that happen. But, you know, the little voice in the back of your head that says, why not? What do you have to lose? I really wanted to try something, to to do something that was all my own. It was just such a great learning experience. And, you know, Sarah, I talk to a lot of young people today, young men and young women, that maybe I am. Uh, looking for someone on my staff or there's another job opportunity or they're asking me for advice and so many people are afraid 
to pack up and move. You know, I live in Ohio and this is this is really where I want to stay. You know, my family's here, my friends are here. I understand that and I respect that. But to move away, even if it's for a year or two years or six months, when you come back, you bring something with you that you didn't have before. And it's an enrichment for you and probably for the people around you. Yeah, I think that's actually really good advice. If you think about how mobile our society possibly is, if you are more mobile, that could definitely mean better employment opportunities for you, just being willing to strike out on that adventure. Absolutely. I have interviewed uh, potential reporters for my team in the past and, and have found people that I think are absolutely a perfect fit and, you know, have all of the the skill set and the qualities that I want on the team and that I think would be very beneficial to them as well to be a part of the team. They'll just say, well, can I do it from here? And oftentimes in the society that we live in today, you can work from any place. But if you have the opportunity to move and get that extra experience, it just brings so much to you from an employment standpoint and a personal standpoint. So you talked about Ron Hayes being kind of someone who was influential in your life. Is there anybody uh, else or maybe he was the person, but who do you feel like was most important in your development? Honestly, there are probably too many to list because when I started in farm broadcasting. I, you know, my degree was in agriculture education with an emphasis in animal science. I did not know <laughs> anything about being a farm broadcaster. I learned from, from Mike Perrine, who had a different style than Ron Hayes. And then there were all of these other people that I looked up to in NAFB when I went to conventions or went to cover a meeting. There was local agriculture reporter at newspapers that I learned from. Sitting back and watching the way that they work, watching them and uh, listening to how they asked questions, I learned so much. Cindy Zimmerman was one person that I learned with, with Zimcom. I learned so much about really asking the questions and, and digging deep from working with her. Looking back at my life, my my roots are planted pretty deep in the soil in Scott County, Illinois. You know, I represent seventh generation from that farm. My parents worked together and they were and still are such good salt of the earth role models for me. They taught me by example to have a good work ethic, to be good stewards of the land, air, water, and livestock, to be involved in the community and, and, you know, to watch them with their strong faith. So I've always had the support from my family. I think that is key. My husband, my farm now, I think my experiences on our farm working with him have really helped me. And he's, he's told me in the past, he said, well, you can be a big star and go give speeches in front of a thousand people and, and get the Oscar and agriculture award and all of that. But really, you're just a Scott County farm girl. And he means that as a compliment. And really, that's what grounds me. At the core, we are all the same. I'm just trying to learn to be able to tell that story. I'm a Scott County farm girl. You can learn something from everybody around you. What a good reminder to 
not take for granted all the people as you're a young person, especially, and you're still living at home. You know, don't don't miss those opportunities to really dig and connect with your grandparents and your parents. And I think it's really easy when you're young to want to like, oh, my parents don't know anything. They just it wasn't like this when they were kids. And, you know, my problems are so different from their own. And as we know, later on, you figure out, no, pretty much all the problems are just a repeat generation after generation. And take advantage of the the fact that you have those people at your fingertips and learn from them. Absolutely. And you can you can learn from one another as well. You can learn so much by having that conversation with somebody else in your college class, collaborating on projects and ideas and studying together. I think there's so much opportunity to learn from each other. Outside of your family, as you were kind of working your way through your career, did you seek out people specifically because of who they were or were you more like just in opportunistic because you were working together and learning just learning from the people you worked with I had great opportunities that maybe I didn't even realize at the time the level of talent and wisdom as I look at again going back to the National Association of Farm Broadcasting some of those some of those people that I would have breakfast or lunch with or sit beside in a press conference and and watch them work. So much talent there just to observe and absorb. Again, reminder not to take for granted just the people that are next to you, for sure. Absolutely. What do you think, um, kind of as you've progressed through your career, uh, if you could think of what a big obstacle might have been or a small one and, and how you overcame it? There are always going to be obstacles. You need to have faith and and believe in yourself. I also think it's important for me, and not everyone feels this way, we were told or our children have been told, you can do anything or you can do anything and you can do everything. Well, I don't believe that you can do everything because if you're going to try to do everything, then something's not going to be done as well as you would like for it to be done. So pick those things that are most important to you, set your priorities, and move forward. You know, there are some obstacles that, you know, it may be David and Goliath, and and Goliath might win. You just have to stand back, get yourself together, and if it's not going to work, don't feel like it's something that is all your fault. Maybe, you know, maybe it's a job that you want that is the absolute perfect job for you. Maybe the time's not right. Keep trying. Don't give up. But don't expect that that you can have everything all the time. (laughs) Does that make sense? You prioritize, like you said, and and just kind of focus in on then what your priorities are. I think this is a, we live in a really distracting time when there are just so many interesting things that you could pursue and really kind of honing in might be your best course. Yes, and I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do when I grow up. (laughs) Start by not growing up, how's that? I think that's a good plan. (laughs) So what's some good advice you have for young women starting out in their careers? Be present. I say that because I cannot tell you the number of conversations that I have that the person that I'm talking to is distracted because they keep looking at their phone. Be a good listener. Learn to write and communicate. Get a job. Apply for internships. If there aren't internships available, ask if you can job shadow. Be respectful and humble and don't expect everyone to change to fit your expectations. 
<laughs> Finish what you start. Don't overthink everything. And probably probably my favorite, which is applicable in radio as well as in life in general, Mark Plunkett, who was the news director at the first radio station that I ever worked at, said to me, Cindy, there's only one thing you need to know when you're going to work in radio, and that is dead air is better than dumb air. <laughs> so if you're talking just to talk, stop. Good advice. Dead air is better than dumb air. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so let's switch gears here a little bit and talk um, a bit about our industry because I think that's kind of a fascinating thing for women as they're looking for where they're going to head. And mm-hmm. I would be just interested to know from your perspective, and you take in nothing but information in this industry, but what are you most concerned about within your sphere of influence? The list is long, but it's really not that different than it has been for a very long time. But one thing is the blurring of the lines in journalism. That is a concern for me. There is a difference between editorial and news, and I think Both are great. (laughs) I do a commentary on the radio every single day, but I identify it as being my two cents. It's my opinion. I think that is very important, whether it's agricultural news or political news or just general news. I think that's very important. Uh, Another thing that I'm very concerned about is communication. And again, going back to the fact that we have so many different places where we go to get information today, uh, it can be very distracting. One-on-one conversation is just critical in a person's life. So the ability to communicate, are you as a college student today able to communicate, to sit down and have a conversation with someone, anyone, whether it's a a 90-year-old grandmother or a group of your peers or someone that is uh, a manager of of a company, can you sit down and have a conversation with them and have a grasp on the English language? To be able to communicate without doing so the way that we see in text or Facebook or 140 characters, I think that is just so important. There are two other things. (laughs) I've said for many years that agricultural organizations spend a lot of time and money trying to reach consumers and, you know, in big cities to educate them and help bridge the gap between the consumer and the farmer. Yes, that's important, but I'm also concerned about the people who moved into the farmhouse just down the road from me that came from town. So I'm as concerned about the person living in the farmhouse as I am the person in the townhouse in Chicago because they both can have an impact on the livelihood of farmers. And then the final thing would be consolidation. And that's something we've been dealing with for years. It's definitely had a big impact. Do you feel like that's a pendulum that swings back and forth and maybe we'll swing out of it after a while? Or what do you you see coming? I think that there will continue to be consolidation, but I also think that there will continue to be new, young startup companies And I think that both of them can bring important tools and technology to agriculture. I do strongly, strongly believe in regulation, although I feel that we are overregulated in a lot of ways. 
and sometimes those those smaller companies are able to move more quickly and you can you can hire somebody more quickly you can fire somebody more quickly you can make things happen more quickly because you don't have as many people and and hoops to jump through to get something done. Yeah, definitely fewer layers. So yes. I, one thing I've noticed in the industry in the last couple of years is just a lot of venture capital money coming into agriculture. And so some of these startups are very uh, tech savvy and, and not necessarily feeling like they're bound by kind of the traditions of agriculture or the traditions of agri-marketing. You know, they've they, they don't know any better, so they just forge ahead. And in some cases, good things happen because of that, and some things, you know, maybe not so good. But it's really just interesting to see that outside money getting poured in. Absolutely. And, and you know, another bit of advice, and I wish I could tell you exactly who said this. It, it came from a, a NAMA meeting presentation probably a, more than a decade ago, risk more and fail faster. I think that's really good advice, you know. You you have to be willing to take risks and you need to accept the fact that maybe this didn't work out and get out of it quickly. There are things that you just need to, you know, suck it up and move on. Yep. But when you know it's time to let go, you just need to do it. Yeah, and that's actually really good advice for our audience too is to just know there are going to be times when you you will fail and you just got to learn to dust yourself off and recognize it early and and not just be tied to it. That's exactly right. And I, and I'm not suggesting that you know, you should go into anything uh, with an attitude of anything less than it's, you know, it, it's going to be successful. But sometimes it, you know, it's just not. And then there's the next thing. And it could be the right thing. Yeah. And if you've learned from what you just did, then then that's the best possible outcome for what just happened. <laughs> Absolutely. you got a lot of time ahead of you. You're still young in your career. Um, so I don't want to ask what would you do when you retire? You know, what do you want people to say when you retire? But I'm like... You know, what what would you hope people actually think about you in the role you're in right now? This one's really hard, Sarah. You know, I had an employee tell me one time that I am tough, but I'm fair. And I think that was one of the nicest things that anyone has said to me. I, I would hope that they say that I was passionate and that I didn't take myself too seriously. You know, that's enough. <laughs> if they remember my name, that's enough. <laughs> Or something that we did together, you know. <laughs> so you interview people all the time. Um, so you've—I I know you do nothing but ask questions. So I'm sure it's a little bit different to be on on this end of the microphone, essentially. But I am curious if there's a question out there that you wish someone would ask you because you've got this amazing answer. I wish I had an answer for that question. I have been thinking about that one for a couple of days and you know, I really I really don't. I don't know what that would be. I think that's probably just because you are so immersed in the field where you've you know, you you get answers to all the questions that you want to ask. So, that's probably the reason. Well, I'll tell you what, it's um I have said many times that as a reporter, I am certainly not the expert. Absolutely not the expert. Uh, but I need to know enough about the subject 
to be able to ask intelligent questions. And that's another thing. I hope they would remember me as someone who asks intelligent questions. <laughs> there. That's a good one. That's an awesome <laughs> So you have given us some really great advice. Um, I hope our, all our young ladies kind of will take away the idea about get some focus, be present, um, prioritize, uh, put down your phone and learn to be a good listener and, you know, be able to have a conversation and communication skills. And I know you, that's certainly been at the core of your career is how, what a good communicator that you are. Um, oh, thank you. Is there any final uh, bit of advice you want to share with our young audience? Just jump in. Like I said before, job shadow. If there's not an internship available, if there's something that you're interested in, learn more about it. Research it. Don't be afraid to ask. Anybody can be approachable. Just ask and learn. I've made my life's work in in asking questions, and not one time has anyone physically assaulted me for asking a question. So, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? They say, no, you can't job shadow. But, But you have... So many great opportunities out there, so many people with so much knowledge and and life skills and experiences just to, you know, just to sit down and tap into. Find somebody different every week and learn something, whether that's somebody that you study with or a professor or somebody in business. Just learn as much as you can. Yeah, so it doesn't even have to be formal like a mentorship Um Although that is a question I guess I would ask you. Have you ever been a mentor, Cindy? I have, and I think I probably learned more than the person that I was mentoring. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just being there to answer questions and and show someone uh, what you have been through is very important. And one of the things that I implemented on our staff here of a dozen, everybody on my team has a mentor. That doesn't mean that Nicole Heslop, who is one of the person with the least years of experience, has to have a mentor that has the most. Some of those roles are switched. Um, Shannon Yokely is my digital products coordinator. She was my intern. She's two years out of college. Sometimes I feel like she is my mentor because of her great knowledge of video editing and the social platforms and so many things that she learned about from the time she was young. Well, she's still young, but (laughs) from the time she was, you know, in junior high and I didn't even have a computer in my high school. This is just something that comes natural for her and then she studied it in college. What I have learned has been through people like her. Your mentor doesn't necessarily have to be somebody who's 20 years older than you. That's been my experience too. I've learned something every time and that should really give our audience the courage to ask someone to mentor them because they know that they've got just as much to give as they're going to receive. Absolutely. Well, this has been an awesome interview. It's been just wonderful. Cindy, thank you for your time and for the great advice to our Spark audience. Any other final comments? I don't think so. Thank you very much for inviting me to be a part of this. And if someone has a question and they want to give me a call or shoot me an email, I would be more than happy to have the conversation. Great. Well, we will put that in the show notes 
on the website so that people can reach out to you, and I would encourage them to do that. You're an awesome friend. Oh, well, thank you very much. You too. And uh, I will tell you that this was not easy for me because I like being on the other side of the microphone. (laughs) Well, next time you can turn the tables on me. How's that? Okay. I'll do that. I'll take you up on that. That's Spark for today. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in for the next episode. To learn more about Paulson, please visit paulson.ag. That's P-A-U-L-S-E-N dot A-G.